I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. The case against Vice Admiral Mark Norman doesn't hit court until next year, but it caused a big ruckus in the House of Commons. Norman, the former Vice Chief of Defense Staff, is charged with breach of trust for allegedly leaking information related to a shipbuilding contract. The Tories devoted much time in the House of Commons last week to questions related to the file and whether there was political interference on the contract from Treasury Board President Scott Bryson. We look at what happened with the contract for the supply ship MV Asterix and whether it's likely Norman will be convicted and what this says about military procurement in Canada. It's Tuesday, October 23rd. Before we get to our conversation, I'm hoping you can do me a favor. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen, tap the subscribe icon and be sure to leave us a review and some feedback on how we're doing. And now, back to the show. John Iveson is Post Media's Parliamentary Bureau Chief. So, John, this whole mess started with a supply ship. So, what can you tell me about the MV Asterix? Well, from what I gather, this is not really the area I cover it on a day-to-day basis, but from what I gather, there were two supply ships, both of which were rusting, and one went on fire at sea. So they had a, a real problem uh, on how you're going to supply the Navy. I mean, this is a pretty elementary part of running a Navy. You can't go much beyond the coast if you can't supply it with fuel and food and whatever else a Navy needs. Um, so with these two ships out of commission, there was a, a sort of urgent need to replace the two ships that I'm talking about, they decided to do so in a kind of unconventional manner rather than putting it out to tender and, and, and it taking, going through that process. They, the Conservative government sole sourced an existing container ship and decided that they would convert it at the Davy shipyard in Montreal or in Levy, Quebec, thus bypassing the, the, the usual process of, of tendering, which uh, obviously adds time and expense so, uh, hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm the Alex Weisfield. I'm the chairman of Davy Shipbuilding. This is nothing new to convert a commercial vessel. The UK has done it, the US has done it, Australia has done it. Um, it's innovative for Canada, um, and it's an innovative thing to convert to an AOR, but uh, to actually convert a commercial vessel for naval use is nothing new. When the Liberal government came in, clearly that was uh, there was something a little bit uh, whiffy about it, given the fact that it was in a Conservative riding, and they seemed to be um, bypassing due process. Okay. Um, what would have uh, been the role that Vice Admiral Mark Norman played in the project at all? Well, he was a, in charge of the Navy, so obviously his primary concern is to get this ship built as quickly as possible, uh, preferably on budget, and get it to sea. And ultimately, mm-hmm. he was vindicated because that's what happened. I mean, it was a much shorter, much more cost-effective process buying this thing off the shelf and converting it than starting from scratch and using a Canadian design and employing Canadian workers all the way through as we're doing with all the rest of the ships. You know, and to some extent, that whole national shipbuilding project, in my mind, is a make-work project. It's not designed to get the gear out the door as quickly as possible and as cost-effectively as possible. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that a shipbuilding yard in uh, the Vancouver area or out in BC was already working on some supply ships but were behind schedule. And then the the shipyard in the Maritimes uh, that had a long-term contract with uh, Department of National Defense 
they were already busy building other ships, or at least that was the line that the Conservatives gave at the time. Right, and and clearly both of these yards were awarded major projects under the National Shipbuilding Strategy. Now, uh, James Irving, the CEO of Irving Shipbuilding, sent a letter to four brand new uh, Liberal ministers when the when the Liberals won power, um, including Scott Bryson, Judy Foote, who was procurement minister, Harjit Sajan, who was the defence minister, and Bill Morneau, the finance minister, saying you should take a look at our project. This thing should not be sole-sourced, and Irving could build this ship for you. Uh, I think he even said more cheaply. So this was the root of the allegation, which is being made by Mark Norman's defence, that Scott Bryson was was close to the Irvings, as, as, as they describe it, and that there were political pressures at play here which were trying to cancel the Davy project. Speaker, there are very troubling reports about leaks that are coming. We're coming from the Liberal government in relation to the Davies shipbuilding deal. The National Post reports that the Treasury Board President personally intervened and tried to kill the deal in favour of his friends at Irving. That minister's connections to the Irving family are well known. So, a simple question: Did the President of the Treasury Board get clearance from the Ethics Commissioner before he lobbied on Irving's behalf? And we would appreciate an answer from the President of the Treasury Board. The Liberals get elected in October 2015. Uh, the Treasury Board uh, raises some issues about the sole sourcing of the contract to the Davy Shipyard. And you start to see some conversation going on within the federal bureaucracy of, about this contract. Mark Norman gets a little spooked that this deal, this uh, new supply ship for his forces may be in jeopardy. So what is it alleged that he started doing around this time? So the timeline is that by mid-November, the government was in, it had been sworn in in early November. And by November 20th, there was a, a an ad hoc committee, procurement committee of cabinet, which met to discuss this contract. And according to the disclosure motion filed by Norman's lawyers, uh, Sage and the Defence Minister recommended the project proceed based on the recommendations of his officials. Judy Foote, the Procurement Minister, also recommended it proceed. And Scott Bryson, the Treasury Board President, said, hold on a minute, we need to do more due diligence and let's hold off on awarding it for a while or signing off on it. The previous government negotiated on the eve of an election a sole source contract worth $668 million. I'm sure they understand the need to perform some level of due diligence for a new government, having formed government, to ensure the proper expenditure of taxpayer dollars. That's exactly what I did, my job. Now, the allegation by Norma's lawyers is that Bryson was politically motivated in doing this. I've since spoken to Treasury Board senior officials who were involved at the time who say... This is Treasury Board's function. It's a challenge function. And Bryson didn't know anything about this contract, and he was briefed that we should hold off on it until we'd done taken a closer look at it, given that it was awarded by the Conservatives on the eve of an election and that the, the yard in question is in a Conservative writing. Now, this was then somehow leaked to the CBC. It became a political issue. Uh, Couillard, the uh, then Quebec Premier, complained that Quebec jobs were at risk, and it was unearthed that there was a $90 million penalty if the contract was not signed by the end of November, all of which persuaded the Trudeau government to sign off on it and go ahead with the project. Hmm. And 
because they were they felt their hand had been forced uh, order a leak inquiry. So despite the back and forth and the concern over the sole sourcing of the contract, this eventually goes ahead. Um, a few months after the fact, Mark Norman is promoted from head of the Navy to vice uh, chief of defense staff. Um, but he wasn't in that position for very long. What happened there? Well, the, the RCMP started investigating and they believe that he tried to manipulate the democratic process to get his desired outcome, which was the daily contract signed off by the government and the ship built uh, as quickly as possible. Now, they do not allege any private gain. Uh, it does not seem to me that there's any allegation of criminal intent here. So it strikes me as going to be hard to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Norman is guilty of breach, a criminal breach of trust. Uh, to me, having been on Parliament Hill for 15 years, this is politics as normal. When you don't get your way, you leak to the, you leak to the media and try and get the decision changed. You know, we saw the previous year with uh, three years previous with the, the Mike Duffy case that uh, the judge deemed that to be unorthodox, but not criminal. And I think in this case, it might have been unorthodox. It might even have been unprofessional, but there is no personal or tangible benefit to Norman. It seems to me he wanted to get the ship built on time and on budget. And that's precisely what happened. Well, it, the the benefit here would seem to stem from ensuring that Canadian ships at sea had access to a supply chain for fuel and food for their seamen, right? Like this, <laughs> That's what you and I would surmise, but the RCMP surmised differently. What's interesting to me about this as well is that the idea of breach of criminal, uh, of cabinet confidence. Norman is deemed to have breached cabinet confidence despite the fact mm -hmm. he wasn't in the cabinet room, despite the fact he wasn't even in Ottawa on the day of this meeting. He is alleged to have heard about it second or third hand and then passed this information on to um, a man called Spencer Fraser, who was the, the head of the project at the Davy Shipyard. Now, what, what is also interesting is that while he's not alleged to have provided documents to anybody, the defence motion claims that the RCMP has discovered another government employee, this time a, a, a man who works in the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, did supply a memorandum of cabinet a memorandum to cabinet document from this meeting to a lobbyist who then passed it to James Cudmore, a reporter at the CBC. Now, this individual has not been charged with any offence, while Norman has. So it gets cur curiouser and curiouser as to how Norman is going to be convicted of this charge. Uh, we've been waiting for a year and a half uh, to deal with this matter. Uh, this is our first appearance, and we're anxious to get this dealt with. I'm tired of shadow boxing. Uh, it's time to step in the courtroom and uh, deal with the evidence. I'm anxious to get to court, get this dealt with as quickly as possible, and get back to serving the people of Canada. Thank you very much. We're not going to be making any other statements. And it, and it seems odd that he would be the only one charged if you were to look at this whole situation as a naval ship it would have sunk already due to leaks based on what you're telling me <laughs> right i mean so so the the as they were looking into this the privy council did its own investigation they discovered that there were six separate leaks to the media from from this from this cabinet <laughs> committee 
that 42 people knew about it in, about the meeting in advance and that 73 people knew about the outcome. So do you think that, that Norman was charged out of anger that he was so vocal in the process? Does it seem politically uh, charged to you? I, I think what happened was you've got an inexperienced government. They, they haven't learned the lesson of yes, minister, in which you do not launch a leak inquiry until you know what the answers are. <laughs> they launched a leak inquiry. They handed it to the RCMP. It then just gets totally out of control. And now they're faced with a, a court case on uh, in mid-August, two months before a general election, in which, you know, to me, it seems highly likely that this guy gets totally vindicated and gets massive compensation or he gets charged uh, found guilty and, and becomes a martyr because all he's guilty of is trying to help out the Canadian Navy ne- neither way will the Liberals look good we'll be right back I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. Politically speaking, like this could, the trial, even if, uh, as you say, that that Scott Bryson, uh, according to bureaucrats, likely didn't do anything wrong, was acting in his role as Treasury Board President, um, it drags a senior, well-known liberal through the mud in a criminal proceeding. That can't look good on the government. No, and they've made very clear that they're going to be looking very closely at, at uh, Bryson's involvement in all of this. And it allowed them very uh, conveniently to drag up the issue from 2005, where Bryson was himself accused of breaching cabinet confidences by talking to people on Bay Street about a forthcoming decision by the then finance minister, Ralph Goodale, on income trusts. Mm-hmm. Now, Bryce's defense at the time was that he was only circulating information that was being speculated upon in government, and he didn't know. That seems remarkably similar to what's happened here with Mark Norman. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, this isn't the first major procurement project for the Canadian forces that seems to have been bogged down either by bureaucracy or uh, politicking. What do you think this case says about the state of procurement in Canada? The, has it gotten any better over the last quarter century? Well, I think that procurement is... Uh, I mean, I was talking to a, a Liberal who's heavily involved in this uh, the other day, and he says, don't believe any of them. Um, you know, essentially, they're all... You know, the, the sheer amount of money being <laughs> spent here it is staggering, you know, staggering amounts of money. Multi- yeah. Tens of billions of dollars in the national shipbuilding. You know, the stakes are incredibly high and it's a lot of dirty pool being played. It's kind of ironic that the only two projects that were that have come in on time and on budget in the last, in all the time I can remember, and that's the last 15, 20 years, are the two that were sole sourced and basically bought off the shelf and converted to Canadian specifications. And that was the, the Globemaster uh, plane, which... 
carries gear all over the world, which this, the at the start of the Afghan campaign the, the, the Conservatives bought, and this one. And we've now totally reversed ourselves on, on buying equipment like that, and we've decided we're going to try and establish a shipbuilding industry in this country, which, you know, as I said earlier, I think is, from an employment point of view, uh, maybe deemed to be a good thing, but from a from a delivering the gear on time and on budget point of view is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Why do they get mired in, in all this kind of wrangling or these delays? Is it because it's a small industry and, and these businesses can you know, take the government for a ride or the government tries to build up the, as you say, the job building and, and that sort of thing. What is it about these projects? Well, people who, who are heavily involved in it tell me that, you know, we didn't buy very much for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So we, we got out of the habit of it. So a lot of the, the people who knew about procurement just moved on to other jobs in the public service or retired. And then when we did start buying things, we found that it took a long while to get good at it. You know, and the people who are selling this stuff are experts by definition. And they were kind of running rings around the uh, the people in the procurement at uh, at the Department of National Defense. You know, we then, after the, the uh, F-35 debacle, we decided we were going to move procurement into public works, which, you know, by its job description, does buy things for the government. But many of them are not military experts. So what, I don't think we've ever quite figured out how to do this. And as we're buying more and more stuff, we seem to be getting in deeper and deeper into the mire. And, I, you know, I don't think there's any prospect that this uh, shipbuilding uh, project can go through without there being more uh, scandals and more money wasted. You know, we we the whole defence review document was essentially designed to re-engineer how we were going to pay for the for the next generation of fighter jets and the ships that we'd already put on order. Okay. Um, it's it's and again the sheer amount of money involved means that there's a lot of incentive for uh, for people 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 to play fast and loose. Mm-hmm. Now the the Conservatives this week in the House of Commons tried to make a great deal of hay out of the Mark Norman case and the potential political. Uh, interference involved, but they didn't seem to get very far with the Liberal government on this. Um, is this an issue that they can try and make hay of over the next few months, or does it die off until the trial starts up next August? I think I think it dies until the trial because it's clear they are not going to say anything in the House. I, mm-hmm. I thought the line of trying to get, uh, you know, you're denying Norman a fair trial because you're not providing him with documents. I don't think that's going to fly for long, especially when Ralph Goodale stands up. He's like a a black hole into which all uh, the gravitational pull is that such that questions go in and answers rarely come out. <laughs> and all we're asking for is an explanation as to why he won't release documents that would give Vice Admiral Mark Norman a fair trial. Honourable for his question, as he should well know, it would be inappropriate for me to comment on this uh, affair because it is before the courts. We are not asking the Prime Minister to comment on the case. We're asking him to release documents. As the member opposite well knows, it would be inappropriate for me to comment on an ongoing court case. All right. Uh, So Mark Norman goes to trial next August uh, on a charge of uh, breach of public trust. 
why I don't want to have you playing, uh, making predictions. You don't expect that he'll. I'll predict if you like. I'm quite happy, I'm quite happy to predict. I, I, <laughs> I just don't see. Well, I just having watched the the Duffy trial, um, you know that the, it's kind of precedent setting for this type of thing. This is what goes on all the time on, on Parliament Hill, and, and few people are more uh, guilty of it than the Liberal government. I, I've just come back from a uh, the the uh, annual financial report was released this morning. We all had to sign disclosure documents saying we would not release this information until 11 o'clock, except for the fact it pretty much was all printed in the Globe and Mail this morning because the government leaked it to them. That's how business is done on Parliament Hill, and it will never change. And the, the idea that this individual breached cabinet confidence is because he heard third-hand something and passed it on to somebody else. Uh, the fact that he's deemed bre- uh, guilty of breach of trust because of that I just don't see it. What do you make of the fact that you have a leak uh, that the government didn't necessarily like, that they're ter- that there's a criminal charge related to it where they do it all the time to either advance an agenda or make themselves look good? It, it seems kind of chilling uh, to have people whistleblow to the public, don't you think? I mean, there's a word for that. It's hypocrisy. You're complaining about leaks when you're as guilty as any government in the last 30 years of leaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just does not wash. Well, I guess uh, something interesting to watch for out of that trial. John, thanks very much for your time. Okay, all the best. Thanks. Here's what else is happening. Accused Toronto serial killer Bruce MacArthur will be heading straight to trial. The man accused of killing eight men with ties to Toronto's LGBTQ community waived his right to a preliminary hearing Monday. Police found the remains of seven of the men in large planters at a property where MacArthur had worked as a landscaper. The remains of the eighth victim were found in a nearby ravine. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama, edited by Carrie Ann Sprawl. Technical help this week from Stuart Thompson in Ottawa. Special thanks to our guest, John Iveson. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>